0: WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's a place. Jesus said it's a place. It's a place where he is right now. He is at the right hands of the majesty on high. He is still in a body, by the way. He is the, still the eternal God-man. He never shed that body. He goes to heaven in a body, had a glorified body. He's there. Heaven is a place.
2: It's hard to wrap our heads around that fact, isn't it? Heaven is a place. We can't see this place. We've never sent an unmanned spacecraft there. It doesn't seem to emit any radio signals but the Bible makes it quite clear that heaven is a place, and it's a wonderful place. Welcome. You're listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And we're just getting going in a new series of lessons. Today is just our second broadcast in the series, and our topic this time is heaven. I'll admit that I wonder about heaven sometimes. What will it be like? What will I be like? What kinds of abilities will we have? And I bet you're curious too, aren't you? A poet has written, My knowledge of that life is small, the eye of faith is dim, but it's enough that Christ knows all, and I shall be with him. Now, while the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail about heaven, it does tell us quite a bit. Let's see what we can glean from Scripture. Here's Pastor Steve.
1: Uh, let's begin. If you're, if you're taking notes, just write that down. What is heaven? All right, let's let's begin to get into this. The Bible mentions the word heaven about six hundred times. Six hundred times, it'll either say heaven or the heavens, one of one of the uh, the words related to heaven. So we're given much information about it. It's not as if we only had a few times where the Bible mentions heaven. About six hundred times, and basic to our understanding of heaven is the and foundational to it is what. Does the Hebrew word mean that's translated heaven? What does the Greek word mean that's translated heaven? You have to deal with words in order to understand concepts. Now, the, heaven, the Hebrew word literally means the heights. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. The heights. That's what it means. And the Greek word means that which is raised up. So it's very similar. The heights and that which is raised up. So the basic meaning of the term heaven is that which is above. When we're talking about heaven, we mean that which is above. In fact, the Greek word is Uranus, from which we get the planet Uranus. That's where we get that, that planet, that which is above. So heaven, the Bible teaches, is above man, it's above the earth. However, when we speak of heaven, we need to distinguish which heaven we're talking about. You say, what? What are you talking about? Well, let's look at Second Corinthians chapter 12. You may not realize it, but the Bible speaks of three heavens. Three heavens, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul gives this fascinating biographical sketch of something that happened to him. He says, and he's the man he's talking about, by the way, in verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven so if there's a third heaven there has to be a first and second heaven and i know how such a man whether in body or apart from the body i do not know god knows was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak so god gave the apostle paul an experience whether in body or in vision in which he was in the third heaven, which he also called paradise. So paradise is synonymous with the third heaven. That means that there are three heavens. What's the first heaven? Number one, the first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. That's, that's the air we breathe. We would, the Bible calls that the, the heavens. I think that's called the uh, troposphere. It's probably no more than 20 miles above the earth, maybe a little bit less or more. That's the air we, we breathe. And uh, that's the atmosphere we live in. The clouds are there. The birds are there. When the Bible refers to the rain or snow coming from heaven, this is the heaven it's referring to. Okay? That's the heaven it's referring to. Proverbs 23, 5 speaks about the eagles flying in uh, towards the heavens. That's what he means. Rain, snow. It's just the atmosphere. you want a verse on that, Deuteronomy 11, verse 11 and verse 17. I don't think we need to delve into that too, too deeply. It just means the air we breathe to our airplanes would go. Now, the second heaven is the sphere where the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets exist. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1 for that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. This is the second heaven to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and it was so and God made the two great lights the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night he made the stars also and God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth that's the second heaven in fact Look over, if you will, at Genesis chapter 15. God's dealing with Abraham in verse 5. It says, and he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. That's the second heaven. The stars, the sun, the planets. It's the second heaven. The third heaven is where Paul was caught up to. This is where God dwells. This is where God's throne is where angels dwell, and where believers who have died dwell. When we are raptured, when the church is raptured, we will be taken to the third heaven, which is the throne of God. So God is there, angels are there, believers are there who have died. All believers who who have died are there. Now, it may surprise you to know that God says he dwells in the third heaven. Why would that surprise you? Because the Bible teaches that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. So you might wonder in your mind, how could he dwell someplace if he's everywhere? And I don't know that we can fully answer that logically. We can illustrate it. We can present it. But let me take you to 1 Kings chapter 8. Solomon is about to dedicate the temple that he built, the temple in Jerusalem. And he says in 1 Kings 8, 27, What will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Solomon has just built this magnificent house for the Lord on earth in which the glory of God is to dwell, and Solomon ponders a theological question God can't be contained in houses, God cannot be contained, yet he's to dwell here. The highest heavens can contain him. So how can this be reconciled with such passage, passages? For example, Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. And, and I realize that we have to move quickly through this, and some of you will not be able to find it. Just listen. You can write this down. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the Lord, or for thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place. God says he dwells on a high and holy place. Isaiah 63, verse 15, look down from heaven and see from Thy holy and glorious habitation. God says he looks down from heaven because that's where he, he dwells. That's his habitation. Psalm 33, let's look at Psalm 33, verse 13. The Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place he looks out on the inhabitants of the earth. So, I think that's very clear, God dwells in heaven. Psalm 102, verse 19. For he looked down from his holy height, from heaven the Lord gazed upon the earth. It's not just symbolic language. In fact, it's not symbolic language. God looks down from the heavens. That's how he's presented to us. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. So God's throne is in heaven, but at the same time, he is everywhere. How can that be? In fact, Psalm 139, verse 7 says you can't escape from where God is, and yet the Bible says he's in heaven. Well, I think there are some rather imperfect illustrations in which we try to, to get a hands on this. Someone tried to explain it this way. He says that, that you live in a house, right? But you are not contained by that house. Your influence goes beyond that house, and yet you dwell in a house. And they said it's something like, like the way God is. God dwells on a throne in a place, but his influence and his presence go way beyond that. I don't know if that helps you, but... That's an illustration. Someone also illustrated it this way. They said, and it's like this. He can be compared to a teacher who stands at his desk in the presence of his students. Every student is in his sight and range of voice. Every student is in his immediate presence, and yet he is at his desk. In the same way, God is at his throne in heaven, and yet everyone is in his presence. Now, I don't know if that helps you. And I think any illustration is imperfect, but the Bible teaches that God's throne is in heaven and yet he is everywhere. I don't fully grasp that, but that's what the scriptures say. Now, if God dwells in heaven, then heaven must be a physical place. Must be a place. This is precisely the way Jesus referred to heaven. If there's a throne there, it must be a place. John 14, 1 through 3 Let's look at that, because Jesus presented it as a place. Even though God is spirit, heaven is not a spirit. Heaven is not a state of mind. Heaven is an actual place. John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. This is the great truth about the rapture, by the way. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. It really shouldn't be translated mansions. It's dwelling places, abiding places, as in the olden days the Jews would build on to the Father's house as they would get a bride and bring her back, and, and they would just build on to the Father's house. Many, many rooms in the Father's house. Heaven is the Father's house. He said, There are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's a place. Jesus said, It's a place. And it's a place where he is right now. He is at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is still in a body, by the way. He is still the eternal God man. He never shed that body. He goes to heaven in a body, had a glorified body. He's there. Heaven is a place. John 17, just a few chapters over, verse 24. John 17, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. Wherever Jesus is, that's where we're going to be. Jesus prayed that we would be with him. That's a place, wherever he is. In Matthew 6.10, you don't need to turn there, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said when you pray, pray this way. Thy kingdom come... Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now the parallel is that earth is a real place, a physical place, therefore heaven is a physical place. Heaven is a physical place. Hebrews chapter 11, let's let's look at this because I, I just want you to see that it's a physical place. I just want you to have a handle on this. Hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith chapter. Verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Of course, that place is the land of Canaan. It's now Israel. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. He's just, the writer is simply saying that God called him to go out to a place that he was to inherit, even though he lived as an alien there. But by faith, he obeyed. Even though there was hardship, even though he didn't he didn't have that land in his possession, he went out by faith. Abraham's faith went beyond a physical place on earth. He was looking for another place. His heart was set on another place, verse 10. For he was looking for the city, which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Heaven is a place, it's a city. God is the builder, God is the architect. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, we read that, that the New Jerusalem is the capital city that will come down from heaven eventually and beyond the earth. It's a place. It's a city. It's a real, physical place. So, here's the question. If heaven is a real place, then where is it? Would you like to know the answer? Where is it? A number of years ago, a Russian cosmonaut said that he knew there was no heaven because in his space journey, he didn't see it. Brilliant statement, brilliant statement. Somebody said, uh, uh, the same man also said, I think that uh, there is no God. I didn't see him. And someone said if he would have taken his uh, space outfit off and walked out in space, he would have seen God very quickly. Um, That's a a silly statement. You just got that, didn't you? meant that he would have died. That's what it means. Well, just because no one can see heaven doesn't mean that it's not there. I mean there are probably planets and stars and things that that our greatest telescopes can see doesn't mean that they don't exist. Now there are some Bible students who believe that the scriptures would indicate where heaven is. And they would say that the scriptures indicate that heaven is somewhere in the what we would call the northern skies. They say there's kind of a black hole there and And it's the only place in the universe that we we don't know. It's just kind of a vast, empty space there. And uh, they even support their belief with some scriptures. And I'd like you to see this. Psalm 75, way back in the Old Testament, Psalm 75 says this. When I find it, I will read it to you. Psalm 75, verse 6. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert, which means the south, meaning the south part of Israel, comes exaltation. Notice the north was not mentioned there. This psalm is saying, and here's what people who interpret the northern skies as being the place of heaven say, if exaltation, or some versions say promotion, doesn't come from the east, west, or south, then it must come from the north. And since God is the one who gives a blessing of promotion, that in the throne of God, they conclude, must be located in the northern skies. They also use, you don't need to turn there, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4, which says that God's glory comes from the north, which it does say that. So, does that mean that God's throne is somewhere in the northern skies, beyond where man can see now? I'd be real careful about that. I don't think those scriptures say that. I, I would be careful about that interpretation. The, those scriptures do not explicitly state that. Uh, And and I think we need to be careful about that interpretation. But there are Bible students who believe that. So what do the scriptures specifically state about where heaven is located? Well, I'll tell you. The Bible says, are you ready? Here's where heaven is. It's up. It's exactly what the Bible says. It's up. It's upward. It's upward from the earth. That's all the Bible says. Uh, Acts 1.9, while they beheld Jesus, he was taken up. Uh, 2 Kings 2.11, Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. 2 Corinthians 12.2, Paul was caught up to the third heaven. We're told that the resurrection, the rapture, that the Lord will what? Descend. And we will be caught up to be with him. Heaven is up. Revelation 4.1, remember we saw that John said a door was opened and the voice said, come up. Revelation 21.2, it says that the new Jerusalem descends down. So it's, it's up. But no matter where heaven is, and we can't get any more specific than that. It's just up. But no matter where heaven is or how far away it is from the earth, the moment a believer in, in the Lord Jesus Christ dies, he goes immediately to heaven. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said that. The thief who was dying on the cross with Jesus said, uh, spoke to him about, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. When Stephen was, was about to be stoned to death in Acts chapter 7, he said that he saw the heavens open and Jesus standing there why was Jesus standing, he got up to applaud, have, uh, applaud Stephen and welcome him home. Normally, the picture in the Bible is Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father because his work is finished, but he stood up and Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, receive my spirit, and he meant the moment I die. So when a believer dies, he goes to be with the Lord, and knowing that we're going to heaven when we die, affects the way we approach life's difficulties and and problems. And I want you, everyone must turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to camp here a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says in verse 8, something we, we can relate to. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Like Paul, we know what it is to suffer. We know what it is to endure hardship. We know what it is to go through pain. And yet we have hope. And we don't despair. We're not disillusioned. We don't lose heart. We don't give up. That's what Paul is saying. I'm beaten, but I don't give up. I suffer, but I'm not, I'm not totally crushed. I have hope. Why? Verse 16. eternal. And then there really should not be a paragraph division or a chapter division. Go right to verse 1. For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now what he's saying is this. God is using the very afflictions that you and I face today to make us more like Jesus Christ inwardly in character. That's what he says that, um, verse 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. In some way, God is going to compensate us for the suffering that, that we do, that we experience now. Some role in the kingdom is going to be perhaps deeper, some greater responsibility. God is going to compensate those who have suffered more for him. You're going to be compensated for your struggles. It, it will be worth it all, as we, as we sing, when we see Jesus. Your struggles on earth will be worth it for eternity. Now, he says in verse 16, we don't lose heart. Our outer man is decaying. Our inner man is, be, is being renewed day by day. And in verse, five, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, our earthly tent, which is our house, is being torn down. What, is, what does he mean by that? He mean, means this that we're wearing down. We're getting older, aren't we? There, there's not a person here who's not aging. You may not feel the effects of it as much as others, but you're all getting, getting older. Someone said this, if you're not busy being born, you are busy dying. Kind of a cheerful thought for the day, but uh, there's great truth to it. And someday we're going to die, but you're getting older now. You're moving ever closer to death.
2: Don't I know that, says the announcer upon his return from another visit to the cardiologist. Uh, Don't worry, it was a good checkup. But it's also a reminder that the old joke isn't too far from the truth. We all have one foot in the grave and the other one on a banana peel. No matter how old or how young we are, we're all potentially just one heartbeat away from seeing Jesus face to face. But even though this old house is getting kind of rickety, Jesus is making me a new one. Pastor Steve Kreloff will tell about that when we meet again. Thanks for tuning in today to this second broadcast in Pastor Steve's series about heaven. Verse by Verse is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries and an outreach of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road, and the web address is lakesidechapel.com. You can learn all about Lakeside at the website, including service times, and there's a map if that helps you find Lakeside. You can also call for information at 727-441-1714. You can listen again to today's program or catch up on previous broadcasts through the Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. If you'd like to help support Verse by Verse, we'd be grateful. It's easy to do by going to the giving page at versebyverseradio.org. Or you can give by phone by calling Lakeside at 727-441-1714. This is Jerry Peterson. Are you happy here on earth or do you long to be in heaven? Maybe a little bit of both. Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4 says, God himself will be among us and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. You know, if we love Jesus, this is something we should long for, isn't it? Pastor Steve will explain on our next verse by verse.